no reason to celebrate. Yes, I come out and walk every year. Yes, I come out and walking for gay rights all these years instead of riding cars and celebrating everything. Because you never completely have your rights. One person chose you all have your rights. And I figure as long as there's one gay person that has to walk for gay rights, Don, all of us. And thank you so much for listening to the Weekly Review. Please check out Queer as Fuck happening at Bindlestiff uh, this Thursday. Well, that's today, which will be tomorrow, which will be yesterday. So it'll be Friday and Saturday. Uh, doors at 7.30. Show is at 8 p.m. at Bindlestiff on 6th Street in Soma. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week. Take care, everybody. By providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent loving for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Hello, and we are your friends here at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. I'm Global Val. Thanks for tuning in to Women's Magazine. Happy Friday, everybody. It is February 12th, halfway through the short month, a little bit longer this year, leap year. And, you know, when I think about the calendar and uh, the way that it's organized, it's, it's, it's really a pretty bogus uh, situation. You know, uh, I've been using a, a lunar calendar in addition to, you know, our normal everyday calendar that, that we you know, schedule all our modern lives on. Um, but I've been using a lunar calendar since I was about mm, maybe like 14 or 15 years old. Uh, it's called the Luna Press, and it's, it's printed and, and produced right here in the good old U.S. of A. Um, in the east on the east coast i forget exactly where so i don't want to misrepresent the the origin of it but you should really check it out they've got great art and poetry in there and a very accurate lunar calendar and you know when you see all the different phases and uh, it's it's just so much more natural and as a woman it's much more it's much easier and uh, to keep track of your your cycles and your and the things that happen to you in your a- everyday life. For me, it's not you know the, the the lunar calendar for me is a way to kind of keep track of things that have happened, and I, I don't really write anything on it um, ahead of time. I write something on it when something's cool. Maybe there's a special event or um, a special night or something really cool happens. And uh, you write it down, and then you can kind of go back, and it's it's like a log. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend it. If you if you don't have a lunar calendar, you should definitely get one, um, and uh, and and keep it close. <laughs> you can still schedule your other regular, normal, modern modern life stuff on a on a regular what is it, a Gregorian calendar. Um, but uh, And those are things where you can plan ahead. But I think a lunar calendar is a good way to just keep track of things that are happening. Um, that's my little PSA here. Thanks for tuning in to Women's Magazine today. I'm going to play you a little music from our friend Ryan Casada. Um, I love Ryan Casada. What a, what a rock star. Um, spokesperson. And uh, he's coming out with a new album called Shine. And uh, this is off a previous album of his called The Rhythm. And I like this song, number one, Love Around the World. Let's do it, folks.
Yeah, Ryan Casada. Thanks for spreading love around the world. I'm Global Val, and I like to spread the love, too. You're listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val on MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks so much for tuning in. And, of course, I hope that you're listening to our sisters in the East Bay on KPFA 94.1. That's the original Women's Magazine. They're on the air uh, 94.1 and KPFA.org every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m., and I am an outpost. Um, I hope to be putting together and doing some more editing from some of these shows I've been doing here at Mutiny uh, to send off to KPFA. Um, But they've got a great team of uh, people working together on that show, various topics, um, and uh, doing it for for the love and to spread it around the world because we have quite a bit that we're up against here. Um, So the United Nations has registered almost 4.6 million refugees from Syria since the fighting broke out in the country several years ago, about four years ago. Of those 4.6 million refugees from Syria, almost 2.4 million are 17 and under. A huge amount of children, minors, young people, um, displaced, having fled, fled their country um, with or without their families, uh, whatever their individual situations may be, a huge, huge problem um, that, that we, we as, a, as a global community really need to be addressing um, you know, and, and, and not forget about. Um, and I know a lot, of, a lot of people are out there working, uh, helping these, these folks, um, not just from Syria, but from other war-torn countries like Afghanistan. Um, and um, it's it's a it's it's really it's really heart wrenching, and you know it, it kind of it's it's a scary thing because last week on Women's Magazine I interviewed the executive director of the Bay Area Anti Trafficking Coalition, um, Betty Ann Bovine, and um, the you know w- when you have uh, all all of these young people you know children of all ages, um, two point four million two point four million children refugees um it really it really is scary what's going to happen to all these kids so i wanted to bring you kind of a hopeful story a positive story um from buzzfeed.com as written by david mack and so the international rescue committee 
recently sent a photographer, Meredith Hutchinson, to meet with young girls in two refugee camps in Jordan to ask them about their hopes and dreams. The project is called Vision Not Victim. I like that, right? So often, you know, it's like, oh, victims, victims, right? And, and of course, we don't want people to get hurt, but let's rise above it, right? Let's go beyond that. Um, vision Not Victim uh, is the project. And so they saw the girls draw pictures of what they want to be when they grow up. Um, and uh, to imagine now they've escaped war, they've grown up, what are you? This is what they've asked these girls in um, these refugee, two refugee camps in Jordan. So each girl then participated in a photo shoot based on the drawings to pose as their grown up selves. So they were given copies of the photos to show their families and keep as a reminder of their goals. Um, so you should really check out some of these pictures. Um, check out buzzfeed.com. And the title of the article is uh, Refugee Girls Got to Dress Up as What They Want to Be When They Grow Up. And this is just from uh, February 2nd. So uh, th the picture, we've got Fatima, who's 12 years old, future teacher. And there she is posing in a classroom. She's got a, a blazer, like a dark blue blazer on. Uh, she's leaning forward onto a desk, kind of her hands spread. She's looking straight up. She's got a chalkboard behind her. Uh, there's different desks. It's kind of a, kind of a, a dusty light in there. And she's standing there looking directly at the camera. And so this, the, I'm going to read you some of the quotes uh, that the, the translated quotes that the girls wrote. Um, remember, these are notes from them, their future selves after they've grown up and after this huge crisis. So Fatima, age 12, future teacher, says, in this image, it is early morning, and I'm waiting in my classroom for my students to arrive. I teach younger children to read and write Arabic. I'm, very, I'm a very compassionate and kind person, and so a perfect teacher. I am strict, but I go out of my way to gently help those students who are having difficulties. Malak, age 16, future police officer. Remember, these are all girls. And, she, and Malak says, I've always wanted to be a policewoman because the police not only keep people safe, but they also create justice in society. Every day I wake up, go to the station, and then head out into the city to see where I can help. I also work to inspire other young girls to become policewomen, supporting them to dream about their future and thinking about how they will overcome obstacles. Fatima, 11, future surgeon, says, in this image, and, and she's, she's looking at an x-ray, um, they dressed all the girls up in, in the kind of like a costume photo shoot of these, of these, uh, what they imagined their future selves, their future careers to be. So Fatima, the future surgeon says, in this image, I am examining an x-ray of a patient to see what is causing the pain in her chest. At this point in my life, I am a well-respected surgeon in the region. I treat many patients, but the patient I care mo most about, the one that drove me to be a doctor, is my father, who has a lot of medical issues. To be able to help my father, this makes me feel strong, powerful, and capable. The next girl, again, Syri Syrian refugee, um, imagining fu their future selves. Uh, Muntaha, 12, future photographer. And she's fabulous. They've got her in this kind of a blousey denim shirt and a big scarf around. She's holding a gigantic camera. She's got her hand on her hip. The other camera's down, uh, you know, hanging down you know, her pant leg, um, she's, she's looking like she's in, you know, an active stance ready to, uh, you know, ready for, uh, whatever kind of photography she might have to do that day. Um, these pictures are really great, uh, by Meredith Hutchison. And she says, since I was a young girl, I loved taking people's photographs. I loved going to different events and documenting what was happening, both the good and the bad. Now, as a professional photographer, I use my images to inspire hope in others, to encourage love and understanding. Rama, age 13, future doctor. She's standing there in, on a, you know, in the refugee camp. She's standing there in scrubs and uh, a medical coat and a stethoscope. She's got a big smile on her face, her arms crossed. Um, and she says, walking down the street as a young girl in Syria or Jordan, I encountered many people suffering, sick or injured, and I always wanted to have the power and skills to help them. Now, as a great physician in my community, I have that ability. 
Easing someone's pain is the most rewarding aspect of my job. To be able to give them relief and make them smile, that is what I love most. Fatima, age 16, future architect. I've always wanted to be an architect, yet when I was young, people told me this is not something a woman could achieve, and they encouraged me to pursue a more feminine profession, but I dreamt constantly of making beautiful homes for families and designing buildings that bring people joy. Now that I've reached my vision, I hope I am a model for other girls, showing them that you should never give up on your dream, no matter what others say. Merwa, age 13, future painter. So cute, standing here uh, with her paintbrushes and her easel. Um, in this image, I'm a popular painter, working on landscape and oils. When I was younger, painting was a hobby, but as I grew older, I, sa I saw I had a great talent and went to art school. Now I have my own ga gallery where I sell my paintings and sculptures. My hope is that my artwork inspires peace in the world and encourages people to be kind to one another. These are the voices of girls who've fled their homes in Syria. Young girls. Haja, age 12, future astronaut. Looking ready in an astronaut costume. Great pictures, Meredith. Ever since we studied the solar system in primary school, I've wanted to be an astronaut. I would imagine myself up in the sky discovering new things. Maybe like those uh, gravitational waves that uh, Roman was talking about on the Weekly Review right before this show. I love being an astronaut because it lets me see the world from a new angle. In this society, my path was not easy. Many people told me a girl can't become an astronaut. Now that I have achieved my goals, I would tell young girls with aspirations to not be afraid, to talk to their parents about what they want and why, to always be confident and know where you want to go. Fatima, age 11, another future police officer, which I found kind of interesting. There were a few police, uh, future police officers. She says, I am kind. I am a kind yet serious policewoman who is respected and a role model in the community. People are not afraid of me, but call me when they're in trouble. I teach them how to respect and love one another. I fight for justice. I help the innocent. What an amazing ideal for a police officer. If we could only follow uh, young Fatima's uh, image of what, what police officers are supposed to be like. I, I like her version. I think we could get back to that or get there maybe for the first time. Basima, age 17, future chef. She's here standing behind a kind of a deli counter. Big smile, apron. I've always found great pleasure in cooking. When I was young, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with my mother, learning how to create different dishes. I was really good at it. Now, as a chef, I have my own restaurant where I create the menu and a shop where I make and serve different dairy products like milk, cheeses, and yogurt. This next one I think is my favorite. Noor, age 16, future lawyer. She's standing there in the kind of a graduate's uh, gown. She says, I want violence against women to end. I want women to be able to make decisions for the community and say their opinion without fear. I want our society to open up and give space for women to be whoever they want to be. This is why I decided to become a lawyer. When I was younger, my mother told me I was, a, was courageous and truthful and that I could be a great lawyer who fought injustice. I took her advice, and now I am a respected lawyer working on women's rights and defending women who are victims of domestic violence. Go, Noor. Amani, age 10, future pilot. I love planes. Even before I had ever been on a plane, I knew I wanted to be a pilot. Flying is adventurous and exciting. When I was younger, my brother always told me that a girl can't be a pilot, but I knew deep down this is what I wanted to do. I finished my studies and found a way to get to flight school. Now, not only do I get to live my dream, but I also get to help people travel to see the world and discover new places. One more here. Hiba, age nine, future pediatrician. 
and she says, well, her future self says, I've always wanted to help children, and this is what drove me to be a pediatrician. I am kind and loving and therefore an excellent doctor that children can trust. Nezreen, age 11, another future police officer. Uh, here she is uh, in the refugee camp. Looks like she's got a whistle and is uh, stopping traffic. And she's, her future self says, I saw a policewoman for the first time when I was 11. Before that, I hadn't considered it as a career. At that moment in my life, I wasn't even going to school. I had just, just had no interest. But once I decided this was my dream, I studied hard and pursued it. Now that I'm a policewoman, I help many people who are in danger or trouble and encourage young girls to get their education so they can reach their goals. Thank you for listening to Women's Magazine here. I'm Global Val, and that was uh, from an article on BuzzFeed.com by David Mack, M-A-C-K, uh, posted on February 2nd called Refugee Girls Got to Dress Up as What They Want to Be When They Grow Up. Pretty powerful stuff. So, in all this darkness, in all this huge humanitarian refugee crisis with people, you know, fanning the flames of of more war and and hatred and uh, violence and oppression we've got these young girls who have dreams in their hearts and are determined to become whatever they want to become so thanks for listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. You're listening to MutinyRadio.fm, and uh, we're looking forward here. We'll be right back. Here's a little more Ryan Casada. Uh, he's coming out with a new album, like I said earlier. Uh, the album, the new album is called Shine, um, and uh, there's actually a track on this album, The Rhythm, called Shine Your Light, which may be an early version of what has become his latest album. Let's check it out. Peace, y'all.
listening to Women's Magazine on Mutiny Radio. I'm Global Val, and I want to thank you for joining me. It is now live, June 24th, 2016. Sending love out to the world, because we all need it. beautiful people out there. Happy Friday. This is Global Val talking to you from mutinyradio.fm, broadcasting live here in the Mission District of San Francisco, uh, my hometown, a world-class destination, and really a, a unique microcosm of liberty. 
Um, it is Pride Weekend coming up here, uh, and I believe today is a trans march. And if anything that the Orlando shooting has shown to the nation is that uh, no matter who you love, hold hands with, marry, occupy space with, go to bed with, whatever it may be, however you want to dress, um, whatever persona you'd like to put forth to the world, whoever you may be, that we need to have a world that is welcoming, that is supportive, and that is humane. And um, so I want to send love to everybody out there listening, um, whoever you may be, wherever you may be, and uh, just let you know that um, despite a lot of the craziness happening around the world right now and in our country, um, because there's a lot of that, there's a lot of crazy, um, and there's still good people out there, and I think that there is... The, to, to use a kind of a trite phrase, the silent majority, um, because we do often tend to, you know, lean towards listening to mainstream media who has really proven itself to be unreliable, um, you know, in, in terms of, hey, let's declare Hillary Clinton the, the, uh, the winner, the delegate, uh, the nom who, the, um, sorry, the candidate who will be nominated for the Democratic ticket. Let's do that the night before a gigantic primary, um, you know, so, I mean, there's, it's irresponsible. And, um, of course we know like Fox news and things, they just like to fan the fl flames of hate and ignorance. Um, and I, it's, it's always kind of strange to me. I try not to ever watch it. Um, but I do like to check in once in a while just to make sure I know what's happening over in this other strange parallel universe, um, called people who believe Fox news. Um, I, I, I'm always amazed at the at the level of ignorance and uh, indignance um, over some very basic human rights situations. Um, we see that uh, the the big news internationally is that Great Britain, jolly old England, had had a national referendum. Uh, where the citizens got to vote whether or not to stay in the European Union or to exit the European Union. So it's been referred to terribly as I as I would uh, I would say as the Brexit, the British exit from the EU. Um, now the uh, Britain has has you know as a member of the EU, it never gave up its currency. There's still of course the pound the pound sterling, um, and the EU went on to the euro, um, you know, the, the lira went away, the franc went away and all these countries, you know, uh, you know, came together and have a, a common monetary, uh, policy, a common currency in the EU. Um, but of course there are some holdouts like Britain kept the pound and I believe Switzerland still has the Swiss pound. And, um, but so, so in terms of, breaking away from the EU, um, basically it, it, it's a compact of, of countries. And so I, one of the, you know, the, the, the issues with being a member of the EU is that if you're a, a citizen of any of the countries in the European Union, you can go freely from one country to another. You can have residency there. You can get a job in a different country. It's really in, in many ways, a very beautiful thing. Um, but a lot of the rhetoric coming out of this British vote, um, which they actually voted to exit, the Brexit passed, um, and is is that, oh, no, we, we don't want these open borders. We don't want so many people coming into our country and dicking our jobs and all that, you know. Um, so, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, if, if, if you exit the EU, then we, we can imagine that that reciprocity will also be closed. So you're actually, uh, you know, would be limiting the opportunities of British citizens, uh, within Europe. And, you know, it's, it's about like a 30 or 40 minute, uh, train ride under the English channel, the, the tunnel under the English channel, the channel, another kind of silly word, um, to mainland Europe. And so again, we're talking about neighbors and, uh, 
it, it's really disappointing because uh, the rhetoric that we see going on in our country right now, too, um, is so divisive. Um, and, of course, we've got uh, horrendous, crazy people running for president uh, who, you know, just obviously don't, can't really grasp um, very simple, basic concepts or articulate upon them. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about borders and, and keeping people out. And you know what? The United States is a nation of immigrants. And even though we still have a uh, Native American population here, which itself has been, you know, decimated mostly um, and, and, and mostly kept down in terms of, uh, you know, the, joining the rest of society and, and having opportunities and uh, a lot of Native American communities suffer from um, alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, extreme poverty, um, domestic violence, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of it comes from being shut out. And, and so, you know, when, when we're looking at what, what borders mean, you know, I, I think it's, it's fair enough to say, you know, okay, so if, if we're, if our country is on this side and your country is on the other side, even though it's the same land, um, if you look at it, it's, you know, not divided, um, by mother nature. Um, but, but we really have to see that it's just people. And I just, I, I just hope that those folks who ha are of the opinion that we need to keep people out, could for a second, maybe longer, flip the switch and just imagine if it were the other way around. If you were living in extreme poverty, which many in this country are, if there was extreme violence in your community that was threatening you and your family, in which many, many folks do live in that situation in the United States, and your only options were to stay or to leave and try to find something new. And if leaving and trying to find something new, something safe, something accepting, um, and to have the door slammed on your face or worse, um, having to pay, you know, coyotes, uh, to take you across the border in their trunk and possibly dump you in the middle of the desert and fucking kill you. Um, if these were your options, you know, if the flip, if the switch was flipped, how would you feel? And we have to bring that into the broader conversation. We're looking at this immense refugee crisis um, around the world. People coming from Syria, millions of people leaving Syria, um, which actually, you know, has had a, a, a very strong middle class um, and uh, it, and and people escaping war zones in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, Yemen, uh, which is being bombed by Saudi Arabia with uh, weapons that we sell to them, uh, not we, that uh, are sold to them on on the behalf of the United States. Um, certainly not I. But but we we really have to <laughs> look at what the options are. Imagine. Your house is being bombed by your government or by some rebel groups who have come into your country because there's been a big vacuum uh, due to war and uprising. And these people might not even be from your country. And it's a war zone. And you have to leave. And where do you go? You take your chances. And I hope that we can all be welcoming and accepting of these poor people who are spreading out across the world. It is a new diaspora. Um, and um, I, I was reading last week on, on Women's Magazine here, there was a, a new report that was put out by the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. And um, it was put together by a, a group of Syrian women's organizations. Um, they did a, a huge study. And, uh, and, 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 and the argument is that the war in Syria and the exodus from Syria uh, has a disproportionate impact on women. Um, 
women already and Syrian women already um, suffered from you know social inequality, um, but now uh, when you know these, if it's a mother, and let's say her husband was killed or arrested, um, and now she's left to take care of her family, um, but markets are being bombed, and she needs to get special papers and documentation to get her to get a permit for her and her family to leave the country, to cross those borders, to get out. And when those documents have a cost, and when this is a constancy of daily life of not knowing when the next bomb's going to hit you, your family, your neighbors, um, you know, women, especially, and young and, and children as well, um, are being subjected to all sorts of uh, desperate acts um, in order to uh, just survive. Um, there's been a huge amount of sexual exploitation, um, an increase in childhood marriage, especially in the refugee camps, because even though they had it had kind of become a, a less common, now it's kind of back um, just in terms of, of marrying off your daughters to some... to. To, to get them off your hands, to give them some sort of other option. Um, children being married off. Um, and, and it's not just women who are turning, uh, you know, being sexually exploited. Uh, children, um, men in Greece, uh, landing, landing in, in Greece and Turkey, turning to pro male prostitution, uh, female prostitution, child prostitution, uh, human trafficking. Syria was already... Um, kind of a hot spot for human trafficking, but now that it's a war zone, um, it's definitely uh, feared that 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 the increase is huge. Um, the, of course, there's, there's a lot of numbers that they don't have, um, but I, I do recommend that you check out that um, that paper put out by the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom um, on the the status of of women in Syria. And the refugee crisis and the war. Uh, there's some other laws, and and it's actually a good study. They they also make recommendations as well. Um, so, some of the other things that are happening is uh, women activists in Syria are getting imprisoned, getting disappeared, um, of course suffering abuse in in detention. Some of the detention facilities are official, some of them are not. Um, so, so it's a you know we're we're seeing these these gross violations of of people's human rights uh, to freedom, uh, to freedom from violence, uh, to freedom of speech, which, of course, here on Women's Magazine and Mutiny Radio, we're all about freedom of speech, um, something that we drastically need to protect and continue to practice. Um, so, again, I just hope that we can see through these imaginary walls that we call borders and see that the people on the other side of the fence are just like you and me. Magazine on Mutiny Radio. FM, San Francisco, and worldwide. I'm Global Val, and thanks for tuning in. So we can 
try to shed some light on a lot of this darkness. It is a beautiful summer day, and I know it's going to be a beautiful weekend here in San Francisco. Lots of good people going out in solidarity with pride. And, you know, the, the LGBT movement has really made so many strides uh, and, and it's a very powerful force in, in our country. Um, you know, years and decades of trying to achieve uh, marriage equality um, that was finally won. Um, and of course, was kind of a controversial part of the LGBT movement. You know, some people said, well, why do you want to get married? Like, that's that's the institution, you know, that's, that's the system. Um, but obviously, um, people came around to that and, and saw that the, the equality in it, um, and the Supreme Court saw it too. Um, so now the LGBT movement is getting behind gun control. And all I gotta say is, watch out. Here's my favorite quote of the week. John Lewis of Georgia, of the civil rights movement, uh, seven-term congressman, um, and all of his Democratic colleagues in the House of Representatives in the United States Congress, Washington, D.C., held a sit-in on the floor of the House um, to demand a vote on gun control. And here's my, here's my quote of the week from John Lewis, Senator John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis. He said, sometimes you have to do something out of the ordinary. Sometimes you have to make a way out of no way. And I really, I really, I just read reading that out loud. I kind of got tingles. I got, got, got the, you know, the chills, like goosebumps, um, because I feel like the, the, the mood and the momentum in this country, and I want to say since Occupy, um, has really been moving in this direction of we're not going to sit around and take this anymore. Um, it's ridiculous to not be able to regulate guns in a fair and safe way. Um, so there's a new initiative coming up um, that is being put forth in California, I believe called Safe and Equal. Um, so follow that follow that um, initiative, uh, trying at least here in the state of California to try to rein in um, the access to these horrendous assault weapons um, that don't even really let the shooter think um, between rounds. So um, a very a very ugly, scary reality um, that the that last week the Congress voted on um, a bill some legislation that would have increased background checks um, for people buying guns at gun shows um, and online. And it also would have um, prevented people who are on a terrorist watch list from buying guns. Because um, I'm not sure if it's a federal law, but you know, in some states, like um, people who've been uh, convicted of domestic violence are not allowed to buy guns. Um, I don't think it's federal actually, um, but that's something that is being pushed um, by women's organizations as well. Um, but so it, it, <laughs> they voted down party lines and all the Republicans voted against it in the wake of this mass shooting in Orlando. Um, and so the Democrats, for what it's worth, uh, got down on the floor of the House and occupied the floor. Uh, it was a historic week here in the United States, um, and not just here, but of course around the world. So peace and love out to the folks who uh, who know what occupying means and what occupying can do. So I want to play a little clip here, a little news clip of uh, some of the things that have been going on to fill you in. Recognition. 24 hours after seizing control of the House floor, the no build, no break protest is taking a break. We must never, ever give up or give in. We must keep the faith and we must come back here on July the 5th more determined than ever before. 
Democrats are ending the sit-in for now, but promising to restart the push for new gun control measures in the wake of the Orlando attack that has brought the debate back to the forefront. Thank you. Vowing to fight on and threatening to restart the sit-in on the floor after a two-week recess. We cannot stop until we get a bill, until the law is passed. This isn't about politics, it's not about elections, it's not about campaigns, it's about the safety of the American people. Meantime in the Senate, another fight. Republican Senator Susan Collins trying to move forward her bill, seen as a bipartisan compromise to prevent those on the no-fly list from buying guns, getting a procedural test vote which failed. The ayes are 46, the nays are 52, the motion is not agreed to. Pre-dawn today. The House stands adjourned. The Republican leadership in the House adjourned for recess, looking to draw to a close the act of defiance from Democrats in the House. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan today clearly enraged. This is the people's House. This is Congress, the House of Representatives, oldest democracy in the world, and they're descending it into chaos. Blasting the Democrats' tactics and questioning their intentions. We, we watched a publicity stunt, a fundraising stunt, uh, descend an institution that many of us carry a great deal about. So yeah, I think it sets a very dangerous precedent. The sit-in on the floor, live streaming on the social media accounts of members, leading to dramatic and at times contentious moments. Suspected and known to be a terrorist, why, why can you get a gun, a machine gun? Going throughout the night. I'm cold and I'm tired and I'm hungry. But these are feelings that I'm so privileged to have because so many will never feel that again. With protests outside and inside lasting into the late morning. It's getting real, folks, on the House of Representatives. I'm sorry to even give um, the House Speaker any um, any airtime on, on Women's Magazine. Um, but I think it's important in a democracy to hear the different voices in the room so that we can have an actual debate um, and we can discuss um, perhaps... I mean, he was pointing towards motives, calling calling this a publicity stunt. You know, well, obviously that comment is is dismissive of the issue, which is the fact that in the United States we have a huge problem with um, people being killed by guns. I don't know if you want to go hunt. You know, in designated areas, if you want to have a weapon in your house, uh, just in case, um, if that's important to you, I, I'm not going to stand your way. Um, but when you've got people who are just like, I mean, uh, there was a an investigation a, a few year, a couple of years back. Um, this guy went undercover to a gun show and showed how uh, he was able to buy a large assault rifle in the parking lot of the gun show out of some guy's trunk. So like, this is the kind of things that, that are making our society unsafe because I don't know why in the world you would actually need that kind of a weapon. Um, so power on, uh, I want to give those Democrat, those democratic, um, Congress representatives, Congress, Congress people, uh, men and women, uh, a diverse group of, of individuals, both in age and across the board diverse. Um, I want to give them a lot of credit for standing up and making a scene and occupying the floor. Um, and if you see that all the other Republicans who voted against that bill last week um, to extend um, you know, background checks and stuff, all of them had been receiving money from the NRA. And you know what? It's not even a lot of money. Like there was an average, I think people were getting, you know, like a few thousand dollars. It's like, that's really going to sway your vote. But of course, you know, there's probably bigger, um, bigger players out there, uh, behind 
just the loud NRA. Anyhow, folks, that's all the time we've got here for Women's Magazine. But please stay tuned um, because Common Thread Collective is coming up next here on MutinyRadio.fm. And maybe, maybe I can end with a little poem. So we need to bring this up a little bit. As the world calls for vengeance, retribution, returning hate with violence, as voters cry fraud in righteousness, indignation, the goddess, Mary Isis, is making cosmic love as a psychic salve. Roll under her touches, be soothed and cooed by how much love is pooled in every pore of the hearts that seek love but see red that suffer by association, yet whose souls are being fed by getting fed up, raising the bristles that would otherwise love to be rubbed. Take a breath, friends. Hold my hand that I extend. We are one, wonderful and well. Of life's great spring, we are the oyster's shell that feeds the soil and enriches the ground. Be vigilant. But be patient, and the tide will always swell. I'm Global Val, and remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like making common sense legislation in a country that's supposed to be able to vote on things and do the things that the will of the people want, just remember that inspiration is contagious. Peace and thank you. And here's some from our friend, my friend, our wonderful Ryan Casada.